I'm Ilter Ibrahimov. And I'm Nicole Inika Hamilton. You're listening to Mambo from Fall for Dance North. In this third season of Mambo, we invited seven artists presenting work at our 2022 annual festival to sit down for an intimate conversation with a creative peer. Boundary-pushing circus and tap performers, thought-provoking hula and indigenous North American choreographers, Canadian jazz trailblazers, and collaboratively created video works. This season, we cover a broad spectrum of today's global dance community with six up-close snapshots. So take a seat, take a breath, and listen in. This is Mambo. My name is Diane Montgomery, and I'm in Toronto, and I am delighted to be in conversation with the incomparable Michaela Marino Lerman. Hi, Diane. It's nice to see and hear you. And I am uh, here in New York City, where I was born and raised. So I have questions. Can we talk about process a little bit? So your recent show at the Joyce had a narrative structure. Is that the first time that you've tried that? That is the first time I have personally tried that. I've incorporated uh, spoken word in some of my other pieces that I've created throughout the years, but I have never written it and I have never personalized it and I have never told a story like that and been forthcoming and honest because the story was an abstract reflection of my life experiences. So it was called Once Upon a Time Called Now. It was a kind of storytelling of my experiences told through the lens of a woman who had just died and was in the uh, afterlife meeting some spirit guides and ancestors and I got sent back down to earth and it was kind of like a Christmas carol past present future but take out Christmas put in Mardi Gras and we were in New Orleans and we were and we were going through a Mardi Gras celebration of life and that was the premise of how I told my story and the lessons that I've learned throughout my life. Are you guys going to do it again? I'd love to see that. Oh my gosh, I'd love to see that. We absolutely will. I don't know when, but we absolutely will be doing it again. And we're, we're also adapting it so that it can live kind of like a concert as well, because my work is very split between the dance world and the music world. So plug it into jazz festivals and things that way. It will exist in multiple formats. That's good news for everybody. Everybody should see this show. <laughs> it was a bearing of my soul, you know. It was it was a, it was a it was a new way to express myself and use my dancing to support that idea. Yeah. First of all, uh, it's a lot of courage, I think, you know, to really tell an honest or at least try to give an honest accounting of your experience if it's been painful or you've made mistakes or you've suffered or made others suffer or whatever. 
So you had the idea, like, I want to tell this story. I want to be kind of loosely well, abstract. No. <laughs> I didn't exactly have an idea. The way that it was uh, presented to me that I was going to have this week at the Joyce was pre-pandemic. I was so happily surprised by how much freedom I was given. At the time, Aaron Maddox was was the person there who I met with, and he surprised me with so much grace and like realness and was like, just do what you want to do. You know, if you want to go up there and do a solo show for an hour, or if you want to be up there with just uh, a bass and a drummer and improvise for he was like be yourself if you want to do a broadway production do a broadway production he he was just like really open and as a tap dancer you know those spaces like the joyce and and other dance spaces are often it's often a challenge to get tap in those spaces so i was surprised by this kind of welcoming so I sat with it for a minute, like, okay, what the heck am I going to do? You know, I've been working with my band Love Movement for a while, and I knew I wanted to use the band and the the, the concepts behind the band are about love and, and different levels of love and self-acceptance and various forms of love and, and all of that. And that's a lot of the themes of the music that I've written. And so, I, you know, I, I had a general... That concept was present, but I didn't know what I wanted to do deeper with that. And then the pandemic broke out. And then I wound up having almost three years to work on something that I thought I would only have a year to work on. So that allowed me to have a process that I never had been able to explore before. So I'm very grateful for that extra time that I had. It allowed me to get deeper and want to explore more of my abilities as a writer and do more research and just do a lot of the things that I often don't get the chance to do. This process was unique to any other process that I have ever had. Yeah, I I wonder, like, I, well, I've heard more than once that the pandemic has created conditions for people to slow down and to approach work differently, To that it's just provided time. In terms of narrative uh, structure, did you find that a challenge or how did you find that? Um, I will say in the end I didn't, but it took me a long time to feel that way. I had all these floating puzzle pieces for a long time. It got to be about four or five months out. And I was like, okay, we got to, we got to tighten these pieces up. And this puzzle has to be an image now. So what are you up to these days? What is this fantastic project you're creating? Well, this one feels important to me because, uh, so it's 30 minutes of original music and choreography that's being presented by Fall for Dance North in October. And uh, this has been in the works since 2019. So I've had 
more time than is maybe even probably good for me to sit on it. You know what I mean? I feel like I've I know cycled and been up and down and through. Yeah. Like I think I've changed my mind like six times about what I think would be right or what felt good in the moment to present. I think the notable thing about this one is that I've been writing music since I was a kid. The first piece of music I wrote, I was like five or whatever. I, it was just like a natural inclination to it. And I've been doing that quietly for a very long time. At some point, it felt like the right choice to marry the music that I have written in the background and use it in my own work. And I have to say, it has been, it has been super, 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 not just enjoyable, but super gratifying to hear. It's almost like, I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like something that's always been a part of me that I can bring to another part of me. I know exactly you know? what you mean. I know. Do exactly. you? Yeah. Isn't it magical to dance to your own music? Yes. Yes. Because I feel like, okay, I, 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 you know, you can create the entire soundscape. In the past, I felt like dancing over particularly existing tracks. It just feels like you've gone into a museum and started painting over somebody else's work, like disrespectful even to add to it, particularly like the really masterful stuff mm -hmm. that we're drawn mm -hmm. to because we love it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and, and there's just something like super gratifying as an artist to integrate those two parts of myself. I'm finding too that it's an act of courage. I'm definitely finding that this is now exposing me in a way that I'm really not used to. I, I try to understand that being authentic in your work, you know, being authentic in anything, but being authentic in work as an artist is really essential. A, nobody wants to be lied to. B, that kind of falseness doesn't actually create connection. You're kind of putting up a barrier to actual connection. I think there needs to be an element of vulnerability that has to supersede real connection. If you're holding your cards really close to your chest or you've put up a big, you know, defensive barrier, you're asking somebody to like relate to your facade. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm a, it's, it's a little bit scary, but um, I know it's the right way forward. It feels really good on a lot of levels, even though it is pretty scary. Diane, what is the title of your piece? The title is called Softly Losing, Softly Gaining. Softly losing, softly gaining to me is, it's like these perceived opposites that are, are not always in the binary, you know, <laughs> so frequently the things that are perceived as yep, opposites. Yep, 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 yep. Do you know what I mean? They're Venn diagrams cross. What my show was all about. If I could explain my show in a symbol, it would be a yin-yang. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's about the dark and the light balancing, binaries being complementary. Yes, yes. Interesting. I've given that a lot of thought, actually. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts around it. But the idea that, you know, a willow, what's perceived as fragility, like a willow bending in the wind, is really, a, is really its strength that it can bend. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean as if you are inside my brain right now. Yeah, <laughs> out here. Speaking out really? of my own, yeah, big part of where I'm at. 
I'll, I'll add to that that um, so not just this like ceasing to see the world in such uh, binaries that we perceive that they oppose, but there's really it's more complicated than that by a long shot. But also for me, I would take it one step further in saying that sometimes when it's a big moment of dramatic um, heightened emotion one way or the other, like jubilation or devastation, I'm not entirely sure. I think in the quiet moments after that is when I really start to understand what was lost and what was gained. So in things that I perceive as having lost, there are things that I have gained, obviously, and things that I have perceived as really have gaining, I see things that I have lost. But frequently, almost always, I mean, always is a bit of a tricky word, but almost always, I feel like I see it in the rearview mirror, maybe, or I see it quietly, or I understand it from a distance. So that's the softly part. It's a time, you know, the steady march of time. And I don't want to say the mundane and the small. I worked for an artist who did this really, really incredible job of making what was giant and monumental seem personal and close and intimate. And what seemed very personal, the universal. So that's really super interesting to me too. I'm influenced just by the idea that walking down the street or seeing just a little vignette that you would pass, like even a leaf falling from a tree or maybe uh, uh, someone bending over a baby carriage or just the mundanity. In those moments, I often have like the aha moments. That's the soft part of softly losing, softly gaining. I think action movies and our culture teaches this, that it, it's like a re- it needs to be a giant moment to be profound. Yeah, I just think that that is just kind of a staple in society that those are the moments that are supposed to be so profound and all this stuff is supposed to happen in those moments. And oftentimes in those moments, there's so much else going on that you are unable to live in that moment. It almost happens without you even being there. (laughs) You know, it just kind of spills out and you have to watch it you know, back, uh, or at least that was my experience with the Joyce. I was so pulled in every direction that by the end of the week, I was just like, can we, can we do it now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, right. So much pressure is put on these milestone blockbuster moments in life. And so much is lost or, or, or disregarded. Like you're saying, the willow bends, that's its strength. It's it's your strength to appreciate a moment like that in the grocery store or something where, where a light bulb goes off. And it's so often disregarded, just like vulnerability um, and authenticity, that these these things don't matter. It's about when your stuff is on stage and being reviewed and got a million likes on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. You know, those those are the moments that are supposed to matter. And they're often can be empty or very confusing or just so busy that it, it's hard to actually internally experience it. So I feel like, especially as artists, those private moments where light bulbs go off in random places are our silent victories. Those are the moments we get to experience. And 
the milestone moments are the moments that the public gets to experience. It's like giving birth, you know, it's painful, but then there's a gift. Is there a narrative in your piece? I'll say that it's a loosely abstracted, slightly, I mean, an abstracted narrative. So to me, on the nose, literal storytelling isn't as interesting as leaving a bunch of room for people to see themselves. So I think for me, trying to just leave enough room to make it not so specific that people can't insert themselves into the story. And then a conscious attempt at universal themes this is part of how I perceive the exchange happens. You know, it's not just a one-way street. You're going to come, you're going to see me, and you're going to look at me, and you're going to know more about me. I mean, not only do I find that boring, I find it a bit offensive. In the show, I had a, I had these mirrors that were reflecting, that were going around reflecting me. as this very uh, sunra-inspired moment in the show, and then the text that was going then kind of alluded to look at yourself now in these mirrors and the mirrors turned to the audience. And that was a real invitation to try and do exactly what you're saying is just, where are you in this experience I've had? How you see yourself, how you relate to this. You have to be very brave to do that stuff because, you know, there was critiques and things about my choice of storytelling and I did very much what you tried to do which was leave space for that interpretation and that got criticized it proved to me as much as it was like oh it proved to me that I had done my job you know I at, in the end I had to laugh about it you 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 found yourself as people do, and as yeah. people do, that really tells a story about, I mean, really, truly, yeah, anyone's criticism of anything tells you a lot about more about them than it will ever tell you about whatever they're criticizing. I feel like I've prepared quite a lot, and I've done my job. I've shown up. I've put my butt in the seat. I've done the work. Um, I have grown in the process. I know that I have created community in the dancers. I know that I have come with as much integrity as I can possibly muster. And then the rest of it just has to be not my business. Let go and let God. <laughs> Whether you are uh, spiritual or believe in God or not, it's just let go and let universe, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think you can put yourself in your own personal seventh circle of hell by trying to... Uh, imagine what others might think of your work. And I'm not even sure that's not our job, really, in the end. It's really not. If you're going to be a professional artist, there is always going to have to be a level of putting your stuff out there to somebody else and still trying to protect yourself in, in that action. It takes a lot of trust in yourself to get there. It's kind of like standing at the edge of a cliff. And it's, again, another representation of a binary. It's beautiful. You have this perspective you cannot have if you're on the ground, but it's dangerous. And you have to trust that you can, you know, scale the edge of the mountain and not fall off. 
I, I am blessed to have a really wonderful support system and I lean on them a lot. Then the rest is just like, I'm gonna get back up and stand on the edge of the cliff again. I'll add that it's a therapy going into discovery, having many feelings, feeling maybe knocked back a bit. But the thing that puts the salve on the wound is, is dancing. The 8th Annual Fall for Dance Nord Festival runs September 17th to October 8th, 2022, with both free and ticketed in-person and digital events. Softly Losing, Softly Gaining has its world premiere as part of our Arise 2022 signature program presented at Meridian Hall in downtown Toronto. This exciting new work, commissioned by Fall for Dance North and accompanied by live musicians, will kick off an evening which takes the audience on a journey through art forms and cultures with four dance pieces by four diverse dance makers on the festival's largest stage. Visit ffdnorth.com for more info and tickets. This episode of Mambo was produced by Johnny Spence and Katie Lauer with help from Milana Glumicic. This episode featured music by Diane Montgomery from the original score for Softly Losing, Softly Gaining. Our theme music is by Johnny Spence. Thanks for listening. <laughs>